But then again, who asked me? Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Who Asked Me podcast. Y'all already know I am Zell. Listen, we have made a transition yet again this week. Um, and that transition is from iced coffee to hot coffee. And I've put it off as long as possible. Every day, every day that I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to hot coffee. It would be like 80 fucking degrees outside. And honestly, if you ask me, I love coffee. Like I love coffee. So if you ask me what I prefer, I'm just now starting to realize this year that I think, I think I prefer iced coffee over hot coffee, but it's a small, small percentage. Okay. I think I'm like 60% iced coffee, 40% hot coffee. I don't mind hot coffee. Now, what I do mind is like mcdonald's hot or dunkin donuts hot my god they do not care about the roof of my mouth and some of you may be like why are you getting your coffee and just trying to like automatically take a big gulp i'm not i'm a sipper i've been drinking coffee since i was fucking 15 i know how to sip hot coffee that coffee came from the boiling boiling pits of satan's bathroom water Like, that's where it came from. Dunkin' Donuts. Like, why? McDonald's, what the fuck? You guys have been sued. (laughs) You've literally been sued for how hot your coffee is. So, like, what what are we doing here? Uh, You know, I I prefer maybe a step above a lukewarm. Because I actually had coffee postmated today. (laughs) Because that's the type of day I'm having. And it was a little cold. I was like, mmm. And before y'all ask, like, how much money do I spend on coffee? Too much. Too much. However, yes, I have a coffee maker at home. Okay, but I'm out of K. K, What are the K cup? K pods? K. I almost said K pop. I'm out of K cups. My, see, y'all, I'm telling you, that's the type of day I'm having. Um, And I also got a new Keurig, but that is such like another long winded story that we won't even talk about. If you want to hear about it, you can DM me. I love when y'all do that. But on the topic of Bravo, the book, Not All Diamonds and Rosé, came out. And y'all, all of the girlies, all of the girlies are shaking for the most part. Potomac, not so much. But like a lot of the other franchises are whew, stirred up some shit. Okay. First things first, the BH girlies. They're pointing fingers. The, it came out in the book, I guess, that Lisa Vanderpump was the one that called Radar Online. And like, listen, I get that LVP was the chess player, but some of y'all were still the pawns. And it's just giving that y'all are really mad about that. Okay. In the case of Lucy Loopy, Lucy Lucy. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's just one of those days. In the case of Lucy Lucy Apple Juicy, Dorit is the one that dropped the dog off at a kill shelter. Why would, who cares who sold the fucking story? Who cares? Dorit gave, well, she didn't drop the dog off. She gave the dog to somebody who dropped it off. My point is, and I always thought this, even when that season was airing, why didn't she just give it back to LVP? Like, we're pointing all these fingers like, see, Lisa did sell the story. I don't give a fuck. I 
don't care who sold the story. Like, Dorit is the one that mishandled the dog. My goodness, okay. And then, you know, Lisa Rinna was posting about Yolanda because it came out that LVP drove that storyline, I guess. And Rena was like, I will always have so much regret over this Yolanda storyline. It's like, girl, LVP might have dropped it and stirred it, which is really fucked up and wrong. But you, you got in the car, you turned on the engine and you put your foot on that gas and drove that storyline a hundred miles per hour straight into the direction of our TVs, please. LVP didn't make y'all do anything, okay? Like, what are we doing here, okay? It's just all a mess. And then Teddy Mellencamp had to get involved. And I just really wish we would let that girl go. I mean, we have let her go. She needs to let us go, actually. She's not going quietly into the dark. It's exhausting. And I've heard rumors that she might be a friend of, and I don't want to see her. Have we not made ourselves clear? Have we not made ourselves clear? I, is it Kyle? Is it Kyle who's really pushing for her? Because I don't understand. Ugh. Speaking of that book, I started seeing pictures of Ebony at the opening, or not at the opening, but, you know, at the party for it. And to be honest, she seemed like, in the picture, she wasn't really smiling. I saw an interview with her, and I was like, is my good sis okay? What's going on? And then it came out that allegedly Ramona Luann and Leah planned planned and did walk out of the party when Ebony showed up. And honestly, that makes me like low-key sick to my stomach, if that's true, because it's, that's gross. That is such, I've just been triggered by so many mean girl instances, especially white mean girls it's a whole different it's a whole different ball game I was flabbergasted when I heard this um it's just it's not okay and Leah what the fuck is your problem girl what you mad about what what are you mad about okay you've had a reunion was it virtual yeah but you've had one Ebony got hers taken away from her and it's not because of her. It's actually because of Ramona. And like you spent two years, two years trying to bash Ramona all for you to pull this shit. If true, girl, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. You only want to be aligned as an ally and aligned with black people so you can appropriate and so it can benefit you. And why Rihanna is commenting on your pictures is beyond me, but I don't know. That's her business. I don't fucking care. Y'all got blue check marks. I don't. I'm just talking from a common folk place. <sighs> Moving on from that. Another thing that it's annoying to me, not doesn't quite make me sick to my stomach, just a big old eye roll. Apparently, Stassi Schroeder is writing another book on how to pick yourself up from being canceled. And it's like, girl, goodbye. Goodbye. You were never actually fucking canceled, okay? I posted about this on the Instagram and I said, this is exactly what white privilege looks like. I 
of course, a couple of people unfollowed me and that's fine. Cause if you think that <laughs> we are on the same page when it comes to Sashi Schroeder, you're wrong. And I don't need you. Um, but also I had some people asking me questions like, you know, how is this white privilege? And it's like, listen, this is my thing about Saucy. I have been very vocal about the fact that as somebody who watched the Vanderpump Rules from the beginning, I stopped watching at one point because of Stassi, because of her casual racism, because of her just casual offensiveness in whole. It was exhausting to me. And I'm a person that loves a good jokey joke, but not at somebody else's expense. It's just straight up casual offensiveness is the best way I could describe Stassi back in the day. And then when she got her due diligence, and yes, I'm going to say due diligence, the people that back her, my word. I didn't have a podcast back then, but I was explaining it to somebody. People who have been like, Stasi should have never been canceled. This is like Team Stasi. You're not the person or the group of people that are directly affected by this fucked up shit that she says and does. Okay, just like when your favorite white celebrities say or do something racist and then other white celebrities are like, we forgive you, blah, blah. It's not for you to forgive. What she did and what she said did not affect you or people like you in any way, shape or form. So all of her supporters that are like, yeah, she should have never been canceled. One, she never was. What she was fired off of Vanderpump Rules, all for Andy. In Vanderpump to fucking say, like, a couple months later before they even started filming, they could have brought her back, all right? All for them to go on the record and say, oh, we shouldn't have fired them. We would, we should have shown what it's like for them. No! Them continuing to get their paycheck. Them continuing to have a platform to show what it's like, how to pick yourself up, and I'm using air quotes there, and rebuild, again, air quotes, after you do something offensive. It's crazy to me. And listen, I don't think that Stasi should never work again. I'm not saying that. However, and I'm also not saying like, go get a job at Walmart. Like, I'm not saying that. Okay. What I'm saying is this woman has actually done nothing. Like you fucked up in the public eye. So fix it in the public eye. You know what I mean? Chrissy Teigen gave us more apologies. And I'm using air quotes again there for uh, her offensive behaviors a long time ago than Stassi even did. Stassi went on Tamron Hall, and I'm going to be honest with you guys here. Stassi almost had me because when she went on Tamron Hall, I won't say had me, but I almost had like a little bit more respect for her. When she went on Tamron Hall and did that interview, I watched the entire interview and I actually didn't think it was bad. Like the questions that were asked and her replies, you know, Tamron Hall is a professional and her, you know, she knows what she's doing. She's not going to drive into her. It's not like we sat Stassi down with like fucking Jocelyn Hernandez to get cussed out. Like, please. Okay. But I thought the questions were great. I thought the interview was good. And I thought honestly, Stassi, her answers and everything, the thought the interview was pretty, pretty good. I was like, she might be able to come back from this, but then it came out that she was upset with Tamara, the Tamron Hall show and tried to say that Tamron asked her questions that were not on the approved list and cried wolf, which then made a black woman defend themselves and their actions in something that they 
their profession, okay? This is what she does professionally against Stasi in her white woman tears. And then guess what happened? The Tamron Hall show said, or Tamron Hall herself came out and said, Stasi, I sent these questions to you and your team. They were approved. I did not ask you anything besides that. And again, the questions that were asked, what did you want us to get here, get up and ask you, Stasi? How sorry are you? Oh my God, I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. No, like what the fuck is going on here? That's what kills me about this one. So then you turn around, you have a baby. Congratulations. Okay, cool. You still live in your million dollar home. And then you get a podcast that is, we're not dumb. It's marketed towards your fiance slash husband, but you're still in it. And I promise you, you're still probably getting paid just as much. Girl, tell us how life has been so hard for you. And again, y'all know what I say. I'm sure there are people saying crazy shit in her inbox. I'm not talking about those people. I'm just talking about exactly what the fuck happened here. I'm not going to send Stassi a mean message. All right. And I don't think anybody else should either. However, there is just a, at this point, it's comical to me that this girl is writing a book on how to pick yourself up from the bottom, from the bottom, Stassi, from the bottom your rock bottom maybe and just so we're clear your rock bottom is still pretty fucking high up so give me a break you also obviously did not lose your publishing deal and if you did lose it it was really easy for you to get another one so tell me about how rock bottom that is tell me i can't wait to hear actually i'm not going to hear them or read them because i'm not going to read that book but i'm sure i'll see a headline or two about how hard it was for you to take accountability for your actions. Hmm. Whatever. With that, let's just get into the recaps for this week. Since we're already on the Vanderpump Rules topic, let's just get into that episode recap. Uh, We see the aftermath of Raquel and James's proposal, and, like, it is so cute, but I also kind of feel bad because you know what? Tom Sandoval really wants to propose to Ariana and she could care less. Now, she does say that she'd be open to it if it were just them two. But like Sandoval needs, needs that big production and big show. You know, one thing that always like comforts me about them is that I do know that those two love each other. Like more than any other couple on this show, I would argue those two absolutely love each other. And I have no doubt that they'll work it out. Tom and Katie, on the other hand, I'm not so sure about because y'all, y'all, when I tell you that I was actually enraged for Katie myself, um, when I saw her starting to open up about their fertility struggles, and then I saw her husband make a complete joke about one, not being able to safely transport his sperm to point A to point B. What are you, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Like Katie is crying and pouring her heart out to Lisa in telling this story. And Tom is telling us he can barely jizz in a cup and get it from point A to point B. How am I supposed to trust you with my fucking child? Like Katie, Katie, baby, please leave this man. Okay. (laughs) I have nothing. Leave this man. All right. And like, I get, I want to give Katie the biggest fucking pep talk because 
when she is talking about how she wants to be able, she wants to be involved in the business because she wants something to be able to pass down to her children and like her children to be able to work there much like she did for her mom because her mom owned restaurants growing up. I'm like, Katie, you don't need Tom to do that. And for whatever reason, I feel like she thinks she does. You don't need Tom to do that. You have more experience than him. You are smarter than him without a fucking doubt. Okay. You don't need Tom or Tom to do that. You do it, my love. Because I think she knows, some part of her knows that if her and Tom Schwartz were to just do their own concept themselves, it would probably be a disaster and they would end up real she would end up realizing like I can't go on in this I think it would just really show her all of the things that she's done a great job trying to work through and make this marriage work but also I just think that she knows some part of her is like okay I'm gonna use Tom Sandoval as a scapegoat also and I can't blame her I'm not gonna blame her for that but it's just like Katie You cannot use Tom and Tom's business to pass down to your children because my word, girl, she is capable of so many things, but she's just like, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm like, girl, girl, let's go. All right. If she needs somebody to speak confidence and, you know, good vibes into her every day. I'll do it for you, Katie. Okay. But I do want you to get away from this man. That is your husband. It's just not funny anymore. Speaking of things that aren't funny, Lala. And I don't think she's trying to be funny. I think she's trying to be like some woke mom, but she's not. Her acting like she wrote the book on parenthood and motherhood. It's just not it's not it. If she don't have a storyline this year, she should just say that. Okay. Because if she's just going to piggyback off of everything Brock says and dissect it and reroute it back to the fact that he doesn't spend, have, or I don't want to say doesn't spend time with his other kids, but hasn't seen his other kids in four years because of circumstances that we don't know about. All right. I can't take it. This is my thing with the whole Brock situation. I don't know it. All right. I wish they would just come out and say, I don't know if some, you know, cease and desist have been signed where their mother, his other baby mama doesn't want them talking about it online. I don't know. Okay. So since I don't know, I'm not going to just automatically call him a piece of shit. I know people that from the parts of Brock's situation that I do know have similar situations. It sounds like. And at first it was very easy to be like, yeah, that dude's a piece of shit. But when you start, you know, thinking about it and hearing details, it's like they were both young. You know, it's, it's easy to point fingers. I'm just not, I'm, I don't think from what I see on my TV screen of Brock, from how he was treating Sheena and her mom, he kind of sounds like a douchebag, but I just don't know. Okay. Lala wanting to paint this picture that he is a deadbeat dad and shit. It's just like, please worry about yourself, ma'am. Okay. First things first. You at one point were Randall's mistress. All right. When he had a wife and was sleeping with you, one could argue that he had a wife and kids at home and he was running off sleeping with you. Those kids were being neglected in a way. Would you not say that, ma'am? 
Okay. And if we're buying this story that Rand has cheated on you lately, which much like her book, I'm not buying, but whatever you, one could say that he is now neglecting you and your child with him. Plus the other two, when he was off in Nashville cheating on you, which again, I just don't know if I'm buying that story. She was seen shopping apartment hunting or whatever with Ocean and her mom. And I'm just like, okay, I don't know what they're trying to sell us, but I don't want any, don't give me any more Lala. Put it away. All right. I agree that Sheena's picker is broken. All right. <laughs> but I mean, whose picker is on all the time. All right. But seeing her friend break down and cry every time she brings this up, I don't think is cool either. Okay. I was really hoping that becoming a parent would make Lala, you know, humble herself a little bit, but I can see that that's not going to happen. Hmm. The only other thing I have from this episode of Vanderpump Rules is what the actual fuck was that filter over Lisa Vanderpump's face? I am not MTV production, but I didn't know that you could put a filter over one person's face, but not anybody else's. Because when she's sitting there talking to Katie and Ariana, her face filtered, like full on Gretchen Rossi filter. Katie and Ariana's? Not at all. And Katie and Ariana look great. Don't get me wrong. But it's just confusing. And then same thing when she was in the car by herself. Filtered all the way the fuck up. What's happening here? I need to know. Uh, I'm not going to lie to y'all. This season, which we kind of knew was going to happen, is definitely a snooze fest. I would have been better off if they would have just chopped the whole cast and maybe did like a... Kept, you know, Tom and Tom and Katie and Ariana and then did like a new Vanderpump rules, you know, with the Tom Tom kids and maybe the new staff that works in. Like kept some of the old, but really gave us new, which is what I thought they were going to do, but it's just not headed in that way. I'm so confused. I'm so fucking confused. Huh. But you know what? Let's just stay in Beverly Hills and talk about this second part of the Real House Beverly Hills reunion. So this second part of the Beverly Hills reunion is obviously where everybody put their best acting face on. Erica put on her game show hat and I hope they had a hoot and holler in good time because I didn't. I did not. I don't know what the other two parts are going to bring, but I'm already tired. Okay. We start off with Andy asking Erica, why not leave if you knew about the cheating? And I almost think everything from her at this reunion is rehearsed. And I have a feeling that maybe she might've known about the questions that were coming her way ahead of time. What do we think? I just, listen, I understand from a legal point of view that might've needed to happen, but at the same time, like, girl, you couldn't have sold it to us a little better. Like when Andy asked how long he was unfaithful and she immediately says years. As if she's on a game show, Family Feud, and she's trying to beat the clock. And that's how like a lot of those questions happen. And even Andy was, it may have been editing, but it seemed like he was playing into it. You know what I mean? There was like a back and forth banter that seemed to rehearse to me. Again, maybe it's editing, but something was definitely a little off. She drops a bomb and says that she gave every paycheck to Tom, which is literally fucking dumb. 
on so many different levels, okay? She's trying to play into the whole, I hadn't been to the bank in ever, which is bullshit, okay? And she says she was 27 and he was 60 and the power balance was off, which yeah, I got you there, girl. Don't get me wrong, I got you. But just like I'm saying about this whole thing, I don't think Erica knew, but if you get paid on every other Friday, and your husband says, transfer your whole paycheck to me and I'll take care of the money. I'm very, very aware that I'm relinquishing power if I decide to say, okay, and transfer the whole check to him. All right. She says that she has no access to it. But girl, yes, you did. It's yours. Did they make the check out to Tom and Erica Girardi? Or is the check just made out to Erica Girardi? You did not have to. Okay, but you did. You decided to do that. He cannot make you give him your checks. This is the most absolutely ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. All right. That's why I say, I don't think that he came home and said, baby, this is how many people we scammed today. But if he is requiring all of your checks and taking them to his office, you have to know that something is up. They're my checks. Why can't I know where they're going? Like, hello, you're complacent. You didn't ask questions, period. And somebody wanting my entire paycheck? Oh, I have some fucking questions, okay? She is really pushing the story of him being in a memory care facility and saying, we've all seen the pictures. We've all seen that I was telling the truth. And I'm like, girl, girl, please, okay? The amount of times this woman says, hold on, hold on, hold on is laughable when she's answering these questions. And she continues to do it. Why hasn't this in this competency hearing? Yes, no, I can't talk about that right now. It's rapid fire. (laughs) Who does this? Okay. So then Andy asked, you know, who, why weren't you honest with Garcelle when she said she heard about the rumors of Tom cheating? And she says, because of who was asking. And I'm like, or no, she says, because of who it was. And I'm like, is that because of who was asking the questions or because of Trisha Bigelow? Because I'm 50-50 on that one. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand that answer. Because the camera even pans over to Garcelle and she's like, I feel like she has the same question as the rest of us. Okay. And I feel like these women were like, when Rena obviously called and said, these women have turned on you. And I feel like Erica then was like, listen, you bitches, I know you've been talking shit. So you're going to get your ass up on this reunion and kiss my ass because we're having this conversation between Erica and Andy. And then she goes, Kyle, she calls on Kyle, like a teacher and calling on a student. Kyle, can you please tell them, tell me what your friend said. Erica, you already know what her friend allegedly said. She don't need to tell you again. You're asking her to tell us. All right. And she's like, Jen, Kyle, I hope your acting is better than this in Halloween Kills. Okay. Like, what am I looking at? I'm starting to get so irritated because she would probably get so much more credit from someone, not me, but someone, if she just dropped the fucking act. Okay. She gets asked, were you drunk when you posted about Tom's mistress? And she says, no, I was angry. I was angry without even opening her mouth through her teeth. And it's like, I had secondhand embarrassment for her because right after that, it's like, she doesn't know which character she wants to play. 
All right. And I understand that people are, you know, multifaceted, you know, there's levels to this shit. I got it. But she goes from, you know, a 1960s actress. I was angry. I was angry. To then her fake gangsta shit. And she's like, People are talking about this divorce is a sham because for me to hide assets. And it's like, motherfucker, no, it's not. And rolling her neck. And I'm just like, stop, stop, stop. (laughs) I want to just scream at this woman. Okay. It's just too much for me. I screamed so many times during this second part of the union. I was, I'm confusion. Okay. And let me tell y'all this. I know y'all love it. I know y'all love it. And I've kept this to myself the entire season, but I'm going to just, I'm going to be honest. Oh, I'm going to be open and honest right now of something I am very fucking sick of. And that's Kyle's reaction faces of her just dropping her mouth. And you, y'all know what I'm talking about. All right. It's been all over Instagram. And next time Kyle opens her mouth, I want to hear words, not just not these fucking faces. Okay. For us to make memes out of. I'm sick of it. I really am. Like, girl, are you going to say anything? And it's almost like it's on cue too. Like, and go. She got her mark every time. I'll give it to her. Okay. I don't even know why she's dropping her mouth at some of the shit that Erica's saying, because like, one of them was the fact that, oh, those weren't my underwear. And Kyle did a shocked face. You already knew those weren't her underwear, Kyle, because Erica already told us on Instagram. She told us that they weren't. I've known that for a while. So I know you've known that. And as much as Kyle is on Instagram and knows who Garcelle is following and who isn't following, I think you knew that them weren't Erica's draws. Okay, please. You know whose reaction faces I do love, though, is Sutton's. She is very much so trying to keep tight-lipped, but she still knows that Erica's full of shit, okay? Because guess what? How are you able to get your shit together and move? Because you have money. That's not a question. When Andy asked her that question, she says, I can't talk about that. I can't really say, no, you have money, Erica. It's not that complicated, okay? I can't do this. Erica is one of these fucking... Erica has these women on a shock collar. Okay. Because she then again calls on Kyle and said, asked her something else. And I'm just like, or no, maybe it was Dorit. She calls on one of the ladies again, like she's picking on them in class. And it's just like, Hmm. Oh, it was Dorit because she says, Dorit says, you know what? That makes so much sense when they're talking about Tom speaking about things on a loop. Yes. I understand that. I've, older people in my family that do that, but it's just, it's exhausting. Okay. It's exhausting. One thing that made me absolutely laugh, cackle, cackle out loud though, is when she's talking about the accident and she's like really putting herself up on a pedestal (laughs) and she says, His ankle was hurt. I took pictures and sent it to my friend who's a doctor. I did everything I possibly could to do right by him. Girl, hospitals are a thing. And we're, this is pre-COVID. Okay. I kind of, if he would have rolled his ankle or whatever during COVID times and she said, I took the picture and sent it to him, I would be like, okay, I get that. Hospitals are overwhelmed. Like, I get that. This is pre-COVID. She's like, 
I did everything I could to pot in my human power to help this man. Girl, you took a fucking photo and texted it to your friend. Like you sent a text message. That's everything you possibly could have done? What? And I'm sorry. I know I'm no doctor. Okay. I'm just going to preface this by saying that, but like, how does this doctor know just by looking at this photograph taken on an iPhone, whether or not what's, what's going on on the inside? I don't know. I don't want to send a picture to my doctor and they're just like, ah, no, you're fine. I'm like, you know, you're not going to check some vitals or something. I don't know what's going on here. And then the most confusing part, she kind of snaps about something and she goes, sorry, I'm not angry. I'm just angry. I'm still so confused. I rewound that part probably like three times. I'm like, what is going on here? Are you angry or you're not? You you are angry? And what was the point of that? So then she gets some viewer questions. Somebody asked her about the song, It's Expensive to Be Me. And one of the most ridiculous answers, I mean, all of her answers are ridiculous, but she says that we shouldn't dive in too much about a campy dance song. A song where you chant that it's expensive to be you. Then where you went on Watch What Happens Live, Andy's show, and you told told us how much it costs to be you monthly. You told us exactly what you spent because I will never forget that Watch What Happens Live interview. While money, that money is owed to victims. Okay. But we shouldn't buy too much into a campy dance song where you chant it's expensive to be you and then you tell us exactly how expensive it is to be you, girl. Mm. And then she says there's really a chance that the allegations could not be true because only one side of the story is being told. Erica trying to victimize herself when she says she has DMs saying, this happened to me. I didn't know my husband, you know, was married to a richer man, rich man. I didn't know X, Y, Z. It's like, girl, we know that things, these things happen because we watch Lifetime. And honestly, I think you watch Lifetime too. That's how you doctored up some of these stories to tell us. She then goes in to say something disturbing to me. And she says, his life is over. He is 80. He's in a memory care facility. He's done. I just turned 50. I was like, what? Oh my. It was the way in which she said it too. Like, she's like, I'm done with this. He's over. Put him in the ground before he's even in the ground. I was like, this is a terrible man. The things that he has done. But like, fuck, girl. Wow. Mm-mm. So then we're taking a break from the Erica questions again, which I just don't fucking get. And Dorita's asked about the price of her dresses. And she said, she says, that was the most expensive dress. You know, most of them around six and eight thousand dollars. And I'm like, girl, my dress wasn't is not even a thousand dollars, but okay. All right. I don't really want to spend too much time talking about Dorit talking too much in this storyline because I, I have nothing for it. But one thing that really, really, really chapped my fucking ass is when she was asked about her comment about brown and black people working for her. And the first part, the first part of her answer is, you know, I was answering a direct question from Garcelle. That's not necessary at all. You do not need to bring up Garcelle's name or who asked you the fucking question. The question was not who asked you the question. The question was about your answer. 
Okay. You're still trying to shift blame again to the only black person on the cast. It's another way of blaming Garcelle for these race conversations. It's just, my God, no. And she doesn't even apologize. She says that she chose her words wrong and that she's raising her kids to see different races. Okay, then she finally gets to, they just don't, black and brown people don't just work for me. It's all giving gross, okay? Again, Dorit is more messed up and has more, or is more messed up, is more upset and has more to say about the accusation of her having a nose job than her comments on race. Like she really is. She has more to say about this alleged nose job than her racially insensitive comments. And then at the end, they start talking about the Hamlins and I really don't want to talk about them. You know, Rena gave Andy some sauce. I forget what was said, but it caused Lisa Rinna to say, laugh and say, I'm so fucking shady. You know me. Oh, I think they were talking about Amelia and Scott. He goes, oh, you know me. I'm so fucking shady and laughs. And the camera directly pans over to Garcelle because we spent the whole first part of the reunion talking about how Garcelle is shady and it's not okay. And you look at Garcelle's face and she's like, hmm, so here you are after we spent probably the first hour of real time talking about me and how it's not okay for me to be shady, but you can sit here and scoff and laugh and say, y'all know I'm so fucking shady. Ugh. At this point, I'm ready to get it over with. I'm ready to get it over with. I don't really know what else Erica can tell us that I want to hear. Like we've asked all the questions. I'm starting to think that a four-parter wasn't really necessary. Okay. Especially for her to get up on Instagram and talk about and why was it four parts? Me, the people's champ. Girl, shut up. Shut up. Okay. Huh. Now, let's head on over to Vermont and uh, catch up with the winter house people. So I'm not going to lie to you guys. Was I excited when winter house was first announced? No. Why? Austin and Craig. Was I excited this week leading up to it in the day of the premiere? Yeah. Absolutely, because I love Summer House. Was I as enthused by the premiere as I thought I would be? No. I just, ugh, I don't know what it is. Okay, so we meet the new players. We have Andre, Julia, Gabby, and Jason is his name, I'm pretty sure. Who I was more impressed by him than I thought I would be. Is Andre fine? Yes. Andrea? Andrea. Is he fine? Yeah, absolutely. Not necessarily my type, but obviously all the girls are swooning over him. Even Amanda a little bit. I'm not going to lie. It was funny to me. Um, They're all connected by this girl, Julia, who doesn't even show up and has a boyfriend. I'm just a little confused by her. I mean, she seems fine. Don't be wrong. She seems fine. She's been friends with Paige since they were little. They were in limited two ads together. And like, of course, Paige was in a limited two ad. Of course, she was a limited two campaign model. Like Paige looks like they designed an American girl doll after her to be very honest. And she, like, if I had to think of an American girl doll coming to life and growing up, it would be Paige Sorbo. Not a bad thing. Anywho's they're all connected by this girl, Julia. And she brought like five people in the house that Gabby girl is apparently from St. Louis, which I didn't know. And you know, what's very weird. She does not look familiar to me. She sounds familiar to me. Her voice sounds familiar to me. And I don't know why. And it's very bothersome to me because whose voice 
like, I don't know this girl, you know what I mean? But for whatever reason, every time she talks, I'm like, God, you sound like somebody I know. Whatever. So, of course, Paige is swooning, swooning over Andrea. And again, he's hot. Don't get me wrong. He kind of disses her and calls her a mean girl. Calls her the main girl for Mean Girls, which we know is Regina George, which is a little awkward. Um, I have nothing to say about Craig and Austin. Craig comes into the house with a girlfriend. So, obviously, we're not going to see the budding romance between him and Paige. And, like, ugh, guys... Y'all know how I feel about Craig and Austin. More so Austin. And he just solidified that for me in this episode. We're all hanging out. Everything's going fine. And then him and Jason go to the grocery store. And he sees Madison's little picture in the corner of a fucking People magazine or an Us Weekly or something. And he flips out. He like flips out. And this is my issue with him besides him just being him. He is so fucking toxic. So toxic. Because we didn't need this at all. Sir, like, you need to calm down. He starts, like, spinning. He can't control his fucking emotions. Like, he gets riled up. He's, like, hitting a pinata. He's, like, so mad. It's, like, dude, really? He also refers to A-Rod as some old baseball douche. And it's, like, you have to be a different type of entitled to refer to A-Rod as just some baseball douche, as in, as if he's some guy that was on the baseball team where when you were in high school and he was a baseball douche. It's A-Rod. He's a bigger celebrity than you'll ever be, Austin. Like, um, now, I'm sure he's a douche, okay? But like, just some baseball douche? No, it's fucking Alex Rodriguez, dude. Come on now. Come on. Give me a break. He was engaged to J-Lo. Dude, come on. All right. And then what does his friend Craig tell him to do? Dude, go over there. Like, go talk to Sierra. Like, go entertain that. No, 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 no. What we're not going to do, what we're not going to do is this toxic masculinity of get over one girl and go use that girl to get over it. Just go talk to her. Don't use me to work through your shit, baby. Don't use me to make you feel better. I don't want any any woman going through that. Especially not the only black woman in the house, okay? Ugh. Sierra, please stop putting your lips on this man. Like, what? It is baffling. And obviously, I knew that we were going to see that. I saw the trailer in the commercials, but I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I, I don't, I don't want this to happen. And then especially, especially Sierra was kind of like mum through the premiere. She didn't really say anything. And then she got on Instagram and she posted like kind of an open letter about how she's, you know, really trying to take care of her mental health and kind of struggling a bit lately. And I'm like, girl, do not let these mediocre, mediocre men get you down. Now she didn't say it was about a man. Okay. But uh, just watching that first episode on how Austin acted in regards to Madison. And then it was just like, Oh yeah, let me go uh, entertain this girl. And also something that kind of bothered me when is when Andre showed up, Andrea, is it Andre or Andrea? Like I'm very confused. Um, I also didn't listen that well, obviously when he shows up, the girls are all obviously all swooning, right? And 
Paige is like, okay, mine calling dibs. Yeah, yeah, all cute, cute, normal. Sierra says something that I, I have said before, okay, in my younger years, but Ulta and it took me a while to get, you know, past this. But she says, girl, if he's in, if he's into brown girls, consider this your competition. And it's like, Sierra, if he's into brown girls, that, that shouldn't even be something that we have to think. But it is. Again, I've said that before. Like, oh, do you think he's into black girls? Do you think he's into brown girls? And it's like, it's a, it's a point of, like a point of view that you don't really think about. And it's toxic to ourselves because black women are often the only women that have to, if they're sexually interested in somebody, have to think like, oh, are they into black girls? Why wouldn't they be? You're a woman. If they're into women, like your attraction is open. Like I get so tired of having this conversation of, well, it's a preference. It's a this. No, if you are specifically not dating a race just because of the race, that's, you need to check within yourself. Okay. And the conversation goes on. Sierra says that and the conversation goes on and they're talking to Gabby and they're like, oh, you know him. What is he, who is he typical? What's his typical type? And Gabby's like blonde and they're like Paige and Amanda are like, oh yeah, yeah, like cool. It's not even a thought in their mind. Like Paige, you're not blonde. But it's not even a thought in her mind like, okay, no, am I blonde? No, but like she doesn't say, okay, he's not into brunettes. But Sierra is sitting here saying, okay, if he's into brown girls, if he's into black girls, like you guys get what I'm saying here. It's just a whole nother layer to where I'm like, I really hope Sierra is taking care of herself in her mental health. And especially um, being involved with somebody like Austin who has said some very egregious things about just women in general, no, not, not regarding their race, but just women in general. I'm was like, ugh. I really, really hope my girl is taking care of herself because I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Like I said, I've said things like that before and it took me a long time to realize where that's problematic. I shouldn't be one talking about myself like that because I know I'm great. Sierra seems great. Anybody would be, she's gorgeous. Anybody would be lucky to have her. It shouldn't be whether or not she's brown or not. So that's going to be my tangent. That's all I have for Winter House because again, I really wasn't that interested by it. I'm going to keep watching it. Whether or not we're going to keep talking about it on the show, I don't know. We'll definitely keep talking about it on Instagram, but uh, let's go on over to Potomac now. Where honestly, I have some mixed feelings, okay? I really honestly do. I'm gonna be honest with y'all. First things first, I ultimately think that when Ashley saw G roll his tongue at Karen when he was drunk at the beginning of this trip, she was like, oh, 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 oh. Could I maybe shift the narrative from Michael being gross and annoying and disgusting to G is now the gross, annoying, disgusting husband. And it's like, Miss Mama, Miss Mama. Two things can be true. G can be gross, annoying, and disgusting. And so can Michael. Michael's a predator also, just so we're clear. Let's never forget. I mean, honestly, there's a reason that we haven't seen him at all film with the group this season. Look at how he ended last season, but whatever. I'm going to be honest with you guys. This whole thing 
between G and Ashley, I was annoyed by. Very annoyed by. Okay. I don't want to side with G, so I'm not going to. Okay. Listen. On the bus, I don't think that that was pointed at Ashley, that he was like, I'm going to pick on Ashley. Because if you pay attention, Candace is sleeping in front of him. I just think it's the way his body was turned. And he was just like, oh, Ashley's asleep. And he's annoying. Okay. I've said this before. I come from a family that thinks everything's a fucking joke. My my family has done that to me before. Like, oh, look at Zell over there. Are you tired? Shut up. I am trying to rest. Okay. I am trying to rest. And I get it. Ashley's a new mom. She's got two babies at home. She is pumping. I know that takes a lot out of you. I just don't think that he was like set his sights toward Ashley. I think if you picked Candace up and switched her and Ashley in position and he would have been facing Candace, he would have said the exact same thing to her. He's fucking annoying. There's no doubt about that. And then later on at the crab boil, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be like, ooh, G, you got a little bump set spike from Ashley and Giselle because that's what it was. G had gone inside and he was like, I'm tired. I can't do this. Blah, blah. Mia made him come back out and, you know, be with the group. And somebody said something to him and he was like, I could be sleeping. I don't think that that was a dig at Ashley. Giselle brought up the fact that, oh, she going to get mad if you, you keep talking about sleeping. No, this man, he's older, okay? He already went in the house, told us he was tired. And then his wife made him come back outside. And he's just saying, I could be asleep because that's where he would like to be. He's already told us, all right? But then Ashley took it too far because the whole, she said amnesia first, which she let us know. But then she said, what, you got Alzheimer's? That was too far, all right? I get it. G is annoying. He would have annoyed the shit out of me tenfold because Lord knows I don't like to be woken up. I really don't. Okay. But it was just, the whole thing was annoying to me. G should have stopped at, if I hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. But then he went further and was like, I'm not going to take back what I said. That's not a fucking apology. Okay. But my God, can we drop this? Like, can we just fucking drop it? Ashley is being a fucking asshole though, because even when Mia is speaking, I guess she mispronounced Alzheimer's, which I did not hear. And Ashley says, what's well, Alzheimer's with the Z. Ashley, stop trying to make this fight happen. Okay. Stop trying to make this fight happen. Now I do have to say, Miss Mia, your friend Karen is rubbing off on you because Ashley did not wish Alzheimer's on G. She just said, what do you have Alzheimer's? And as a man that is older in age, that was insensitive and rude. Okay. Now she's like, I'm not ageist. It's like, girl, shut up. Shut the fuck up. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. This whole argument seemed producer driven if I'm keeping it a hundred with y'all. Okay. Ashley's then like, I said amnesia first. Girl, yeah, we know you said amnesia and then you said Alzheimer's. I don't really think it matters what order you said it in. You still said it, please. Okay. Please. If you say something offensive to me, don't say, well, I started with this. Yeah, you started with that. And then you said something offensive. What What does it matter what order you said it in, okay? Well, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I'm not mad at Mia. <laughs> y'all, y'all. 
Mia is a fan. Okay, she is a fan, but she did pull that where's your husband out at the right moment on Ashley, okay? Because Ashley Darby was instantly triggered. And I'm like, Ashley, Miss Mama, if you finna be having the tagline, the only thing messier than two boys is me, you cannot be that rattled when somebody asks where your husband is because like, it's a cheap, easy shot. I would say the same thing to Ashley if I was arguing with her. Look how upset she get. Look how upset she, you get. Like, weren't you just telling me it's Alzheimer's with a Z? Where your husband at? You can dish it out, but you cannot take it worth a shit because she knows her husband ain't shit, okay? And when she, at home with my children. Are you sure? The timing of all of this was perfect. I'm not gonna lie. I fucking loved it. Okay. I do hate how Mia's answer to everything is she needs some dick. She needs some dick. But like, she got Ashley's heart rate up. And that was funny. Okay. And I also didn't even realize that she hadn't met Michael at all. And next week is the season finale. Okay. <sighs> Ashley continues that little argument off to the side and it's like, girl, please. Okay. All of this argument is happening. Eddie and Wendy are putting Aaron, Aaron, well, who is Aaron? Obviously I can't talk. Eddie and Wendy are putting Karen in a cake. And it's just like, y'all miss that whole argument to be putting the grand dame in a cake to jump out of. For Giselle to say, Karen, you should be naked. Giselle, Giselle, let's not talk about what people should and shouldn't be doing for their husbands, okay? So this is where we get to see the trip wrap up. And like, <laughs> of course, they ask Wendy, how do you think you were as a host? She says 10 out of 10. Robin says a negative five. And like, guys, I can't, I can't take this because I've seen a lot of discourse about Wendy being a bad host. And I'm just so confused. We've learned that there was a master bedroom on the other side of the room Giselle and Robin were supposed to be in. One, two, they said they weren't coming. Okay. Three, why, why, why are we forgetting that Candace hosted a vacation at the beginning of this season that the whole cast wasn't even staying in the entire same place. It was a five minute drive. Five minute drive. Not even a five minute walk, a five minute drive to the other house. Like, please, y'all, why do you hate Wendy so much? Okay. Somebody slide my DMs and tell me why y'all are Wendy haters because I'm just not getting it. But back in Potomac, Karen has sent out her invitations to her uh, vow renewal. And the fact that there were actual dead butterflies in Giselle's box made me LOL because if that doesn't mean something, I don't know what. I just don't know what, all right? We also learned that Mia and G tried to have a little staycation for their anniversary and her mom kind of dropped the ball when it came to watching her children. And I feel like this situation with Mia and her mom, it was just triggering all around. And she, she even says that I was just triggered. She came home early. You know, she, her mom was freaking out about what to feed the children. She came home early. 
And, you know, G and her mom ended up getting into it and her mom just took off. I feel so badly for her because, again, I can just see that little girl in her that is upset and taken immediately back to that place. And that's like she said. So I I really do feel for her. Then we get to see Giselle hobbling around this nursery and it's actually making me laugh out loud. Like out fucking loud. You got to give it to her. Because if it were me, I would be on a scooter like Sutton. Girl, where is your scooter? (laughs) I just thought about that. But for real, I would be on a scooter like Sutton. Like, I don't know why Giselle is trying to do all this. But we do get to see a good conversation between Giselle and her daughters. And I do love this, okay? It's open and honest communication because I do understand her saying that she was very closed off. And I definitely understand the girls saying that they saw a marriage and then they saw nothing. And Lord only knows what they saw with their daddy and all his relationships, if that's what you want to call them. Okay. But I like that Giselle makes it easy for her girls to be open and honest with her because a lot of times with black parents, that is not the case. And we, we see that with Wendy's mom a little later on. Okay. Cause she was pissed, pissed. All right. Wendy's mom, but first off, we get to see Wendy and her candle company, Oni, is up and running. Wendy tells us that Eddie has done some things behind her back. And so what I'm getting is this is Eddie's company and Wendy's just the face. But who, child, when I say I understand and I hear this argument with Wendy and her mom, and I know her mom is mad and I know everybody on that set is like, "Mm, let's just keep working and act like this isn't happening. Listen, all I will say is someone in my family is like Wendy's mom. She will tell a story completely different than what happened. And then when you remind them of the actual story, they're like, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. It it is. You're not being truthful here. Okay. I, (laughs) I don't know what it is with people who try and rewrite history, but I'm like, did you think I wasn't there? I did kind of feel bad for her mom, like, well, for Wendy and her mom when her mom stormed off because she obviously was upset. But it's like, listen, my mom says this all the time. As a parent, there were some things I did great and there were some things that I could have done better. And I, that is something I absolutely respect about my mom is the fact that she's like, oh no, I didn't get it right all the time. Like I did not get it right all the time, but y'all turned out pretty good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we did. No one gets it right all the time. All right? No one. So then we get to the part of the episode where I'm not going to lie. I covered my eyes for a lot of it. And it's just because of Michael. It really is. Okay. First things first. Him talking about Candace pulled a knife on my wife. She did not pull a knife on your wife, Michael. Please. Okay. Do you have amnesia? And then second thing, when Ashley's like, oh, you know, Chris did say he would be open to, you know, mending the relationship with you guys. All Michael can talk about is Juan. Unprovoked. Ain't nobody talking about Juan Dixon right now. And as soon as Michael brings up Juan Dixon, Ashley's like, okay, it's time to get sexy now. Because either one of two things, she knows talking about Juan is going to get his engine running or she's seen us drag her husband online 
for his love for Juan. And she's like, let me hop to this and end this conversation before he gets on a tangent and the internet roasts him again. And I gotta be, I gotta be with him because that's my husband, okay? I saw somebody tweet that they give it another year before we see Ashley's divorce storyline. And it's got me thinking, I don't know if I... I don't know if I'll say a year. Okay. Sometimes I think that same thing about Ashley, but then I'm like, no, because I know everything Ashley's been through and I know all the stuff that she wants and I just can't. Okay. Ashley is well, well aware that her husband is a fucking creep and a weirdo, but like she is very much giving, that's my man and I'm a stick beside him (laughs) energy. So, mm. but next week is the season finale, y'all. I'm like shocked when I saw next week on or heard next week on the season finale. I was like, season finale. Well, goddamn, where has the time gone? It doesn't feel like we've been watching 16 weeks of Potomac, but we have. On that note, let's just go ahead and wrap this episode up. So in between the beginning of me starting to record this episode and the end, we actually have the official cast for season 14 of Real Housewives of Atlanta. And those ladies are Drew Shadora, Kenya Moore, Candy Burris, Sheree Whitfield is coming back, and, and our favorite friend of Marlo Hampton is officially, officially holding a peach. I'm excited. Oh, also we have a newbie. Her name is Sanaya Richards-Wass. She is an Olympic gold medalist. I've never heard of her, but I'm excited. I love new people for the most part. And I'm excited to have an Olympian. We've never had an athlete as a real housewife, have we? Unless my memory is escaping me. I don't think we've ever had an athlete. But I'm excited to see Marlo as a full-time housewife. You know, some of the reasons that it's been said that she hasn't been full-time before is because she hasn't been able to open up about, um, you know, her family life and things like that. She has custody of her nephews, I believe. And she wasn't able to talk about that and those things. And then I saw something about her not wanting to release her mug shots to Bravo. And I'm like, that's fine. Why we got to give, why do we need my girls mug shots? Okay. That's fine. But they have, apparently started filming. So I'm really excited for that. Also, we got a trailer for Portia's Family Matters. And y'all, I'm not gonna lie. That looks good. Okay. First of all, is Portia. So they fighting. If there's one thing Portia gonna do is fight. Remember when Cordell said he found her and her mom fighting on a corner? <laughs> but for real, Portia's family and Portia, they fight a lot. So I'm interested to see. And I'm interested to see the dynamics between Dennis and and Simon go down because it looks like there's a little hmm there. So with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. Do not forget to follow me over on Instagram at who asked me podcast. I love reading your guys' DMs and interacting with you. Um, don't talk to me about Salt Lake City. I didn't watch yesterday's episode and y'all know I'm just like, eh on it right now. I'm still watching, but I don't even have enough notes to make a full recap segment. So it is what it is. Don't forget to follow over on Instagram. Love communicating with you guys. And please, y'all, please, I'm gonna have to start 
getting annoying with this because I'm going to be honest. This is like, actually, I'm not embarrassed by it. Just be open and honest. I haven't gotten a new rating and or review in over a month. Over a month. Are you fucking serious? What's wrong? What's going on here? Are you guys mad at me? If you are, just tell me. Let me know what I did. I'll try and fix it. If that means you're going to give me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I need it. It helps me get out there. I want to quit my job. I'm just kidding. If you're my boss and you're listening to this, I I love it there. I don't want to quit. I want to be there forever. (laughs) But no, please, please rate me five stars on Apple Podcasts. All right. I will talk to y'all next week. Bye.